I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name is Sunny. I am here with my co-host, Caleb. Hello! And before we get too far in, we, of course, want to take just a moment to stop and thank all of our wonderful patrons. So, a huge thank you to... Austin Johnson, Kane Martin, Marshawn Jones, Master of Isa, Mr. Herbie's, Witchcraft Remain 2022, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Leela, Damien Zink, Dank Nugs, Dank Nugs again, now with Dino DNA, Mountain Man, Myth Oceanus, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rudolph, Sneaky Links, Chris Myers, MBT's Hard Leg, Ray Powell, Slaking It Up, Sunny Sweet, and Zyphorus. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Now, before we get farther and before I forget, because I want to remember, because I keep saying I'll do it, and now I'm remembering... We have some new reviews. Woo! So thank you all so, so much for your very, very kind reviews. And because I promised, I'm going to read them out on the podcast. We have three reviews. So first we have Devastated Mentally. Five stars. Great podcast. I'm a new Yu-Gi-Oh! player. Started about a month ago through Master Duel and found this wonderful podcast. Your insight on card knowledge and different decks is very helpful. Love to listen to Yu-Gi-Oh! discussions to make work go by faster and learn the process. Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. You're welcome, and we absolutely intend to. Next, you have a name that I can't really pronounce. (laughs) Five stars. Great. I recently got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! and this podcast was an amazing find. The hosts are entertaining. They touch on the news of the game, interview creators and players, and keep it all in a consumable about an hour podcast. That's our goal, actually. Yeah, you, you nailed it. That's it. I think it's Estim for Grenade Free America. I think that's how you pronounce the name. Yeah. I don't know. But he wants a Grenade Free America, and I don't have any grenades, and you don't have any grenades. so That you know of. We're getting somewhere, though. All right. <laughs> Five stars. Great podcast from Tyler Spoonholtz. I recently started listening after the po- I started listening shortly after the podcast was launched, found them on Spotify, and I try to support the podcast in any way I can. And we want to try to support you any way we can. And first, that's supporting you emotionally. Thank you. We love you. That's right. So if you want to have your rating and review read out on the podcast, be sure to go onto the Apple iTunes store and leave us a rating or a review. It helps us out a lot by, like we've said, it um adds in i guess an air of legitimacy which yeah. again for the third or fourth time saying this i kind of hate to say that but it does yeah you know i mean when you're going to find a new podcast the first thing you do is go look and see how many ratings and reviews it's got so you know we want people to see that and say hey there's a lot of people that love, like, like this podcast yeah. so Maybe um, these people kind of know what they're talking about sometimes right and we want to fake that so <laughs> yeah we want to pretend like we do so 
but seriously, really, we really, really appreciate it. Yes, Thank you all to, so much for yes to to the new three new people who just posted uh, comments and all those who have posted comments before. Oh, one thousand thank yous. Honestly, yeah, it, it really means the world to us. So. Thank you all so much for your wonderful ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening there, be sure to go do that. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to go ahead and hit the little follow button. That way you can follow our podcast and get notified when we have new episodes, which is every Tuesday and Friday. And if you are on YouTube, because, hey, YouTube, we now have followers on YouTube. um, Be sure to go ahead and subscribe, like the video, that way it helps the algorithm a little bit, helps it make it get uh, suggested to you when we get actual posts, you know, when we post actual episodes. Yeah. And of course, we also want to take a moment to say, go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what you think. We want, in, we want inspire. Um, we want, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's. Incentive? No, not incentive. There's a. There's a word for when you want to uh, start discussion, but like good discussion. Uh, there's an I word for good. Um, um, there's definitely a word for that. Big I shrug. Th- I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna think of it before the end of before we're done recording today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we we want to have that um, informative discussion. Informative. That yeah. doesn't mean good. Uh, in this context, it does. Fair. We want to have good discussion on the content of the episode in the comments. We want good back and forth. We want um, we want we want people to you know debate with us. Let us know what you think. Debate in the comments. That's fine. This is an open an open uh, forum for discussion. But please do so respectfully. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do so respectfully, of course. But uh, you know, let us know. So. Because we, we want to have that back and forth. And we do read all of our comments pretty religiously. So just like we do with our uh, reviews. So thank you again so much for your support. Thank you for leaving those reviews. Thank you for the likes and the comments and the things of that sort. They really help out. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get on into today's episode. After... I plug the merch because we have merch now. I just yes, remembered I have to do. do that too. I just remembered I got to do that too. So we, of course, have our new merch line coming. It is on. Um, we announced it in the last episode, I believe, but we waited till the end. We're going to do it at the beginning this time because don't you know more people listen at the beginning than at the end? So we do have our new. Uh, we have hoodies, T-shirts, hoodies, T-shirts, uh, mugs and stickers all available on our Patreon. So if you want that, all you got to do is go uh, subscribe to our Patreon. And the link for that is in the description down below. You can look at the different tiers and see what each tier gets you. Um, There's different things that you can get through our Patreon. You can do just general support. That's just like a dollar. You can get access to an extra episode every week where right now we're doing a series where we review all the different set releases and talk about the game throughout the game's history. And then... On top of that, if you go to the $10 tier, uh, you get access to a one live stream every month where we live stream the podcast as we record. And then you also, there's a $20 tier where you get access to a up to one hour phone call with us, well, like a Discord call with us once mm-hmm. per month, uh, scheduled at your convenience. And we just added a $30 tier. Um, and that one... I'm going to be honest with you. We haven't had anybody sign up for the 20 or the $30 tiers yet. So I don't really know what like uh, offhand. Yeah. I don't know offhand exactly what was in the $30 tier. Cause we just made it. It's still kind of new to us. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's, it's there. Right. Uh, ah, here we go. $30 tiers. Um, so you get, Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll send you an exclusive signed card from us. There you go. So, at no extra cost to you. We'll, you yeah. know. Uh, what card is it? Don't know yet. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll let you pick it. Yeah, yeah. We'll let you, like, pick one. If you have, like, one in particular, you're like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll go out. I mean, we'll and we'll send you the card every month. Yeah. We'll send you a new card every month. So, uh, or whatever you want. Yeah. 
or so. if it's like, oh, I actually have a specific card that I already have that I would just want to send to y'all and sign, we'll gladly do that too. Yeah, pretty much whatever you want. You can just let us know and we'll work with you on something. Oh, so yeah. we're pretty open. So that is, that's the, that merch. And then we also have our, um, we have our playmat coming out. Woo! So we have a playmat coming out. It will be hosted on the Imperium Duelist website. It goes live this Friday, March 11th, is when our playmats go live on the Imperium yeah. Duelist website. Yes. So it will be made of their like patented cloth. Then their I think it's King's Robe is the name of the cloth or yeah. something like that. Uh, it's got sewn edges on it. It is a single player playmat. And they are $65. I know that's on the pricey side, but... You're getting a very high-quality product. Not only are you getting a really high-quality product, next time we do the playmats, we're going to be sure to do a double-player, a two-player playmat, yeah. but it'll have a very different design. So this right now will be pretty much your only chance to get this design. Um, on top of that, you can get a... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, if you want, you can get with us on it. We're not really, you know, if you want to, we originally could, we're trying to figure out how we were going to get the playmats made and printed and yeah. sent out and take payments for it and all like on everything like that. And we kind of came to the decision that we didn't want to take payments for the playmats and everything ourselves. Yeah. Because essentially hosting it through Imperium is going to result in these playmats kind of getting made to order. So when you order the playmat, they're not making a big 5,000 yeah. playmat bulk run and we get it super cheap. That's just not what it is. Yeah. These are made to order when you order them. Right. So you'll order them, then they'll print it, and then they'll send it to you. And so essentially it'll result in um how do i say this like the the upside of doing this versus us doing it was they can host it on their website where they yeah. already have a shopping cart system in place and it gets shipped directly to you so that way there's no it has to ship to us and then we have to ship it out to y'all right so you'll get it a lot quicker than if we had done it ourselves and to be completely honest this way we didn't have to come up with thousands of dollars to get them printed and then hope that we sell enough to get the, to get our money back. Exactly. So for now, this is kind of the bridge that we have to cross to get to where we can do something like that in the future. Yeah. So we're hoping uh, next time to get a little bit more bang for your buck on the playmats. But for our first playmat design, we're really proud of this. The artist did a great job on the artwork. It's featuring me, some of me and Caleb's favorite cards of all time of Gate Guardian and Madolce Queen Tiaramisu. And Hoot Cake. And Madolce Hoot Cake, yes. Woohoo! And they're fighting it out on a battlefield. It, it's really, really. We're, we're, we're really proud of this play, Matt. We're mm -hmm. really thankful that a lot of things came together on this. We're thankful for to Imperium Duelist for even considering it to right, begin with to, for being willing to host our product on their website and help us out with this and get us on off the ground so if anybody from imperium duelist is listening honestly we can't say thank you enough um like we said earlier a thousand thank yous honestly this is um pretty big <laughs> yeah this this is truly this is the quality it's a. It, this is going to get a be a quality product that you can rely on for a long time. It's going to look good. It's going to feel good, and you're going to be proud of it every time you take it out at the table. So heck yeah! There will be a link to the Imperium Duelist website in the description down below starting today, but the playmats are not going to go up for sale until Friday, March 11th. So, um, like I said, we're really proud of it. We're really happy with it. If you want to get that playmat to go um i forgot what i was gonna say i had a whole line of thought <laughs> in my head um if you want to oh that's what it is. if you want to see the art of the playmat now you can find the art for that playmat on our twitter and in our discord so and you can get a little glimpse of it on our youtube channel too absolutely so 
please, please, please really consider that. Also, we're trying to get our YouTube, our Twitter to a thousand followers and our YouTube to a thousand subscribers. So if you're listening on Spotify and iTunes, if you wouldn't mind just hopping on over to our YouTube, go ahead and give us a subscription. Uh, go ahead and give us a subscribe on YouTube because I think that having our YouTube subscriber count a little bit higher uh, is one of those things that also like helps us mm-hmm. in the long run. So uh, if you don't mind, just take 10 seconds. You know, we would really appreciate it. So and then it gives you the option to listen on YouTube if you want. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so that way it's out there to as many people as possible in whatever way they're comfortable listening with. Right. So a huge, huge, huge thank you to everybody for your continued support. We're really excited to take these next steps. And as a thank you to the community, as a thank you to all of you, we have a couple of exciting announcements. First, starting next Thursday, that's March the 17th. We will be hosting locals, remote dual locals, in our Discord server every Thursday evening. This will be starting around 7 o'clock-ish Central Standard Time. So, if you're interested in doing remote duels, if you're interested in getting them a little bit more, being a little bit more active, trying to do more playtesting, things of that sort, be sure to come in. It'll be free entry most of the time. We might do an unpaid one every now and then. But and they'll be prizing in that case, right? But this will be free entry, and the winner of each tournament, or I'm sorry, the top cut of each tournament will earn invites to an invite only tournament that we're going to have closer to the end of the year, thinking maybe around October for that. Yeah, so be sure to come in, check it out. It's and the invite only tournament, even though these are free and you can get your invite for free. The invite-only tournament later on in October will have prizing. Yes. So it's like our own little circuit series that we're starting. If this is something that you're interested in, come on into this Discord server. Like I said, we'll be hosting these remote dual locals there every Thursday. Heck yeah. Uh, We have a judging staff in place that we're confident are going to do a great job. We have people that are ready and willing to run the tournament. So all we need now is people to come out and play. And like I said, it's free. I cannot emphasize that enough. Just come in, hone your skills. We take people of all uh, experience levels. Our focus is getting people to be better and more competitive at the game at their own pace. So that's a lot of the reason that we have this podcast. That's a lot of the reason we're excited about this platform. So I think that that'll wrap it up for my really long preamble. <laughs> yeah. That'll wrap it up. This is the longest intro we've ever done. But it was also a lot of info dumping. Yeah, definitely. So, with all that said, <clears throat> we have a couple of new cards to get to. Um, first, we have the uh, Overeager, Mr. and Mrs. Tanuki. Yes. So, this is coming out in Power of the Elements, which is the core set after Dimension of Chaos. Uh, yes, I believe. It's called, like, Power of the Elements. That's what I just said, yeah. Yeah. So, this is Power of the Elements. This is Overeager Mr. and Mrs. Tanuki, <laughs> a level one dark fiend effect monster. They're very cute little raccoons. They're Tanukis, not raccoons. Is there a difference? Yes. What's a Tanuki? Um, it's... I've always heard it described as a raccoon dog. <laughs> but hold on. <laughs> hold on. It's kind of like saying a blue jay and a cardinal are two completely different birds. If I'm remembering my corvids correctly. Okay, you lost me, but I'm just going to assume you're correct. Okay, well, it's They're a cousins. raccoon dog thing. They're cousins. Okay, so, overeager Mr. and Mrs. Tanuki. Level 1 Dark Fiend Effect Monster. Attack 0, Defense 1600. You can only use the second effect of this card's name once per turn. 1. This card in a monster zone cannot be tributed. 2. If you would ritual summon a monster, you can also send one monster from your extra deck to the graveyard instead of tributing. Please note, this card's name sounds like Mr. Attorney counting his chickens before they hatch, but references raccoons and divining. It references what? Raccoons? Raccoons? They're cousins. Anyway, um, which is kind of funny that the the whole... If you Google Tanuki, Mm -hmm. what comes up exactly is Japanese raccoon dog. Yeah. That thing looks like a raccoon. Yeah, but it's also got a little bit of dog in there, too. 
again, I think it's a case of like they're closely related, but they're not like the exact same thing. Oh, they're really closely related. This thing looks just like a raccoon. Oh, crows and ravens. Okay. All they're, right. Actually, now that you say that, that actually makes sense. Yeah, they're, they're like crows and ravens, where they're two different animals. They look so, they look almost the exact same. Yeah. Um, this card could have some niche uses in uh, some different kinds of um, some different kinds of like ritual spam decks. Uh, the most interesting part about it, however, in my opinion, is the because whenever because whenever you you know because you can use materials from your extra deck meaning you can use stuff like elder entity entis and when pegasus at ignister or oh shuttle app clone and get their effects off or even herald of the arc light and get its effect off as could well. you imagine ritual summoning a level eight ritual monster and sending herald of the arc light and entis from your extra deck mm -hmm. talk about going plus yeah you're gonna pop a search yeah and you get the ritual summon yeah that's crazy. Not only that, not only that, if you uh like if you're going through your combo line, let's just say you're you're doing a ritual combo and you special summon the uh, the Mr. and Miss Tanuki. If your opponent nibs, the Tanuki stays on board because it can't be tributed. Right, right. Which is I mean, everything else still goes and you still get your token. It's a hilarious niche application though. Yeah, the fact that it because it can't be tributed, it can't be nibbed. <laughs> right. It specifically can't be nibbed. So next we have Valiance Var, the Land of Beginning. This is from DBTM, which I believe I don't know quite what the name of the pack is, but this is the pack that has the Valiant archetype as well as the it's like the Mysterun. Yeah, it's deck, like deck build or something. Yeah, deck build or something, something. That's it, right. For us, it'd be like a uh, Grand Creators or right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is a normal spell card. Obviously, it goes with the Valiance archetype, which is that Pendulum archetype. You can only use the first and second effects of this card's name once per turn. One, add one Valiance Field spell from your deck to your hand. Then you can destroy one Pendulum Monster card you control. And if you do, add one Senate Switch from your deck to your hand. So for those who don't know, Senate Switch is a very old continuous spell card. Yes. Um, and what it does is once per turn, you can select, you can target one of your monsters and move the and move them to an adjacent zone. Yes. And considering that all of the Oh. Valiants get extra effects if they move zones. That's really good. Not only that, um, a lot of the pendulums require the. Uh, they're all pendulums. A, um, a lot of their special one effects. Uh, they can special themselves from the pendulum zone, but only to the zone right in front of them. Right. So then, Sinus, which lets you move them and then put something new in the pendulum zone and then special summon it as well. Right. So this and also the, has a second effect, though. Yes. So during the main phase, except the turn this card was sent to the graveyard, you can banish this card from your graveyard. Place one face-up Valiant's Pendulum Monster from your extra deck in your Pendulum Zone. That's a really good way. It's a cool way to recycle your Pendulums. Uh-huh. Um, now, the artwork on this card, though... It, the artwork is really cool. Yeah. What it is, it's all the, uh, it's all the uh, Valiant Monsters, but, like, as figurines on a shelf. Right. Like, one of those clear glass shelves that you see a lot. So, literally, to me... What this archetype to me is, we've alluded to it being like a video game in the past. I don't. I think it's less like a video game now, and more of like a tabletop RPG. I'm thinking more. Of, I'm still leaning toward video game. Just, well, just, well, just to the field spells looking like a level select screen. Do they look like a level select screen, or yes. do they look like a map sitting on top of a table? They look like a level select screen. They look like a, to me. No more. I see this because these look like all of the. All of the monsters are like figurines. Yeah, and you buy the figurines, and you what? can play on different mats. What is the name of the of that of that set of figure ninjroids? They, they, those are like ninjroids, and those other figurines you can buy for like anime and uh, kind of like how the they're which, almost like uh, amiibos. Yeah, the uh, amiibos. Um, you know, they're, they're little collectible. They're the little collectible figurines that people put on shelves. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the time for anime and video games and such. Right. Yeah, I guess you could also say that they're kind of like that, but to me, it really does remind me of, like, a tabletop RPG. Yeah. Um, how what... Now, another reason why I'm thinking they're going to stick with the video games is because Mr. Rune is also... Like a dungeon crawler RPG. A, yeah, but a first-person dungeon crawler like Skyrim or Fallout. Right. More on the Skyrim side because it's fantasy. So that's why I'm thinking they're going for more video game feel for this. For this whole pack, um, right, which is why I think it's a level select screen, like a fighting game or something like Super Smash Brothers. Right. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. 
All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for the new cards. Uh, let's take just a moment here while we're here to talk about our sponsor, ATV Games in Alexandria, Louisiana. So, Speaking of video games and tabletops. Right. So ETB is, of course, our sponsor. They are our locals, and they are a wonderful place to get all of your card game needs met. So you can, while you're there, pick up everything that you need for Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, the trading card game, everything that you need for Digimon, and pretty much any of the other card games that you know and love. You can get sleeves that are appropriately sized for your cards. You can get binders, you can get deck boxes, play mats, and anything else that you can need. In addition to all of that, they also have a wonderful, wonderful place to go and play all of the tabletop games that you love playing. You can also buy the books, the miniatures, paint for your minis. If They also have pre-painted if you just don't feel like painting them yourself. Absolutely. You can get all of those things and more as well as enjoy a really nice, chill, laid-back atmosphere with great people working behind the counter that are knowledgeable about all of these card games. If you are interested in checking out ETB games, check them out by the link in the description down below. If you want to purchase from their TCG Player store, they have a link to their TCG Player on their website. So, also, if you are looking to support the podcast at no extra cost to you, we have our own TCG Player affiliate link in the description down below. So, with that said, let's go ahead and move on into our next segment of the podcast. So, we actually have a guest coming on the podcast with us today. Uh, it'll be recorded separate, so it'll be patched in. But we have Kobe Short coming onto the podcast, and we're going to do a little bit of meta discussion. So, we're going to go ahead and jump right into that. Jump right into that, and we'll be back afterwards to wrap everything up. All right, everybody, and we are here with Mr. Kobe Short. What is going on, dude? Not much, dude. Just chilling, working, and playing the little cards on the side. I heard that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the meta as we see it right now. Um, it's been a few weeks since we've actually had the um, the recent, the most recent remote dual YCS. But we are going to be so be able to discern like a lot of information about the current format from that and mm -hmm. kind of break down a little bit about the direction that the format's heading and you know where we see the game heading over the coming months and potentially even into banless season because i think uh toward the end of this month beginning of next month is when we're really going to see banless discussion start heating up oh um, yeah definitely yeah especially with there not being an actual um date of uh with there not actually being a set banless date you know mm -hmm. it, it really could be just any day yeah, we could get it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we literally could. Yeah. Yep. And maybe it would even fix a few things about the current format. So, overall, how do you feel about the format? Um, I honestly, I, I really enjoyed this format. Like, it's actually been really fun playing. And um, it's, it's funny that you say that because there's so many people that have such a negative opinion of this format. Honestly, myself included. I, I hate this format. I but <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't blame you. Um, at first, when I started like testing this format after we got the ban list, I really didn't like this format just because of how um, how prevalent I felt Scythe would be in this format. And I think cards like that, if they're if the format is like completely centered around them, the format's never really fun. Um, just because of how meta warping those cards are, like those cards are game ending not even turn ending um just right. yeah activated and all well, happens um but aside from the occasional like your opponent summons scythe on you um every i haven't had like a particularly bad time in this format per se yeah you know <laughs> Me having such a bad time in this format might just be because of how much I've gotten scythe locked this format. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it'll I happen. Mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that I that I do the scythe locking. Yeah, that's true. I play test against Caleb a lot, and he's running scythe lock PK, so you know. But um, but I I think that a lot of people see the adventure package as something that lets um lower tier decks compete to a higher extent and i guess that's true 
in, but, a, in a sense, yeah. But I think the issue is that it also makes the better decks, the, the good decks even better, right? Yeah, it's it kind of falls into the the maxi argument in a sense. Like, every deck could play this engine, but like, the best decks are still, they also get to play this engine and it just makes them better. Um, like, right. the difference between a deck like, I don't know, um, uh, a really bad deck, probably like, I don't know, Blackwing, right? Say, so like, the difference between Blackwing resolving a maxi on you versus Sword Soul or Phantom Knight resolving a maxi is just astronomically different because what's Blackwing gonna do with like 10 cards versus Sword Soul is gonna kill you with 10 cards, so you're not winning that game. Um, whereas with the adventure stuff, um, a deck like Based or Phantom Knight resolving Right of Aaron Messier versus a deck like um, Plunder Maybe Patrol a. resolving it is like kind of Plunder's really good. A shout out to the captain for back to back tops of that deck. That's kind of crazy. But you, the general consensus is most people don't play that deck because it's not the best deck, you know? I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think that... I think that even if you look at like the top 32 of the most recent YCS, mm -hmm. when you look at it, it's just so filled with your various uh, adventure it, decks. You yeah, know? it kind of brings you back to Zodiac format whenever those cards first got introduced into the game. That um, is exactly what I said on Twitter. Um, yeah. it, like, it's literally exactly what I said. I said that everybody says that the adventure package promotes diversity in the game, and it actually does the exact opposite. It takes away diversity. Because when you look at this, this is s about 60% yeah. adventure package. 59 point, who cares? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So really, when you look at it, it's not that everything else is good. It's that playing the adventure package in stuff is just tier zero. Oh, yeah. Whenever, um, see, whenever we were having my locals were having an argument of like, man, the brave stuff is kind of gatekeeping other decks. They're like, this is the greatest engine like of all time. And like, obviously, my first thought that ran through my mind is like, hold on, you there's no way um but i kind of like thought about it i'm like is there actually a better engine the the only one you can make an argument for in my opinion is zodiac rap here um just because there was a time where that card by itself drew five cards and set up a pop with a non-targeting restriction um right but i mean resolving right of aaron messier is either two monsters for whatever you want in the game or it's at least an omni negate with a bounce that can't be destroyed once right. like that's kind of insane <laughs> off of one card um, yeah for sure it lets you start adding in cards like uh, magician souls and um those cards uh the adventure cards made um red rose dragon and rocks rose dragon just insane cards that there's arguments for them to be put on the ban list, but I mean, I don't agree with it, but there are arguments to be made for it. Um, right. I think these, these cards are some of the best cards I've read in the last, I don't know, five, six years in the game. Yeah. And just, you know, like we've, like we said, you know, even when you're running 60 cards, the consistency of these decks is honestly insane. Like just looking at Paul Aronson's first place list, the title of the deck is Adventure. I mean, I don't know. We're all calling it based now, mm -hmm. but Adventure Hero Punk Rose Souls Link Synchro. Like, it's, it's kind of cool. reminiscent to um, Goat Control in a sense, where you just throw the best cards you can put into a deck. Um, that's kind of where these based are. I call them pile decks just because there's so many cards in them. Um, that's kind of where these decks come from. It's just 
man, how many of the good cards can I fit in a deck? Oh, well, we got to 60. Here we go. Um, right. Um, Polly. And yeah, what, go ahead. what's not being shown by that name, on top of playing all those engines, he's also playing Scythelock. Yep. Yeah. He's also playing Scythelock. He found space to fit, uh, what was it? I think 12 or 14 hand traps plus droplet. Um, yep. He also main deck Crossout, which I think he's. He gets credit for it um, for being one of the first decks to play that card successfully. Um, I've been trying to convince my team to play this card for weeks and they kind of just dismissed it, but I've been playing that card for a good while now. Like, that card is hands down the best card in that deck, in my opinion. Yeah, that deck's insane, especially in this format where you're looking at it and a lot of decks are running Scythelock, a lot of decks are running the Adventure Package, on top of being able to cross out all these hand traps like Ghost Ogre and Ash that everyone is playing. Yeah, you know? every deck is designed to, at this point in time, either draw two hand traps or hand trap plus droplet, um, and cross out always trades with one of those if you draw it. And if they have none of that, then it trades with the best card in their deck, um, which is going to be right. And yeah. if you resolve this card, you, I don't see a game that you lose. Like, it's so right. hard. Um, Paul and I's decks are... We didn't collab at all for um, the YCS. I, I didn't even play. I still don't play in remote dual events. But um, our decks were, I don't know... If, three cards different um we both funny enough we both ended up playing um the hop squadron Ooh. the level two guy that you can add off of um cupid pitch right uh and i think our only difference was the hand trap ratio like i main deck nib i think he sides it um but other than that like i think this deck's close to being solved um which is kind of scary for how early into the format this possibly is we don't know if we are early because we could get a ban list tomorrow but it's six weeks from now yeah like <laughs> if if this is just kind of like the middle ground of the format and we have a almost solved deck that's kind of that's kind of crazy and that all contributes to just how powerful the scaling of cards we have right now are like um needle fiber that, that card just has to go at, at this point i think the card has to get banned yeah i think the debt the cards honestly it's just too splashable and everything and especially when you look at the consistency that not only the base deck can hit it but also just the regular sorts old tiny deck yeah. Yeah, really just any deck that runs tuners and non-tuners natively yeah when Striker is summoning Needle Fiber and killing you with it sometimes, that's kind of like... That's crazy. <laughs> that's suspect. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sussy. Yeah, I think that card's... Um, I think that card has way too many cards on the ban list because of its existence to actually warrant keeping it in the format. Yeah, um, that's fair. And the, the best thing about the base deck, it kind of... It plays the most amount of cards that we can all just agree, like, probably should be on the ban list somewhere. Like, it plays Herald of the Arclight, it plays Scythe, it plays DPE, it plays Fiber, it plays Rite of Aramisir. Like, if there was a a sign that just says this is the best deck in the format, this that's what it is. Like, <laughs> Right. It just plays all the best cards, all of them. Yeah. Like when you gotta decide what how to build your deck for a tournament, um, you should probably be building like, okay, what deck plays the most bannable cards in it? This is the one that plays the most I think I've ever seen. Right. So let's let's think for a little bit about if we are like you said, we could have a ban list tomorrow. So let, let's talk a little mm. bit about that. You know, I don't want to make this like a ban list episode, but, you know, let, let's just take a second to think about what exactly an ideal ban list to fix this format, but also keep it fun and interesting would look like. Because it's a really delicate balance. I don't think Konami 
can hit the adventure package yet because it's still too new. But at the same time, if they don't touch the adventure package, then you're really looking at a, um, you know, this, this deck is just going to get stronger. You know, this package is oh, just going to get stronger. You know, Especially if, if you hit all the if you hit all the other weaker decks, you know, let's say mm -hmm. they ban needle fiber. Sure, that hits the base deck, but it also hits standard swords Ulteni, which isn't playing an adventure package. You also have to think like um, the adventure cards got introduced in a uh, deck builder set. So right. I know, like, obviously all their cards like aside from the four to five that you play. Um, most of their cards are pretty terrible, but they are probably getting more cards than a core set at some point soon. Like, I just see this engine getting better if it doesn't get hit pretty hard soon. Yeah. Um, personally, I think um, I would like to see Ride of Aramisir go to one. I think OCG has it currently where it's split with uh, Water Enchantress as a 2-2. Um, yeah. But I think Water Enchantress, like, obviously the card's just ridiculous, but it's vulnerable to hand traps, whereas Rite of Aramisir kind of isn't. Um, I think if you had three Enchantress with one right, like, if you open the one right, good job. You, I mean, you got me, but... At least I have a chance to stop Enchantress. It puts more emphasis on like Ash Blossom being a good card. Um, and I think whenever that card's like really high impact in the format, the format's normally pretty good. Um, yeah. I would really like to see Anaconda get banned. Um, I, I think it's that. definitely overstayed its welcome. Um, and well, so let's just. Let's just on the wish list. We'll say Rite of Aramisir to one, Anaconda banned, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think no. Fiber has to get banned. Yeah, I think it's time. Yeah. Um, you can. <sighs> I'm personally on the in the camp that Scythe needs to go. See, I don't know. Like, I think without Anaconda, I don't think Scythe is like a problem. Um. But, That's fair, because how else are you going to pop it? Yeah, well, you have to... You could also ban Dagda. I don't... That card has no purpose in the game other than being, like, you set Scythe. Um, yeah. So, I don't... Maybe, maybe you could ban Scythe, and I mean, that frees up Dagda, but I think that completely eliminates the artifact engine aside from... Lancia just being a hand trap. Um, but when you really think about it, I mean, how long has it been since people really teched in a true artifact engine in decks, right? Like, oh yeah, the only reason people ever teched it in was to scythe lock people, which is at this point just degenerate, right? Yeah, definitely. The game, I think, as the game like kind of progresses, I do think scythe's one of those cards that like it gets better over time. And it's yeah. kind of getting to the point where it's probably too good now. So you could see it get ban getting banned. I'd, I wouldn't really have a problem with that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm cool with Scythe getting banned. Yeah. Card's kind of degenerate. That's my thing, right? It's just... It's one of those things where it's like, it's not a problem until it's like really a problem. Similar to yeah. like, similar to Arch Nemesis Protos. That card wasn't a problem until it was like really a problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it all it really takes is an archetype that abuses that specific type or attribute or whatever. And right now we've got not just an archetype, but we've got about six different decks that can really abuse the artifact package, you know? Yeah. It it probably has served its time. Um, personal, uh, I also want to see um, Herald of the Arclight get banned. I think that card is just beyond absurd. Um, That's a really interesting take. Especially in, like, currently in the base deck. Um, some decks are even playing two of it, but the one 
is an Omnigate that also floodgates your opponent, and then whenever it dies, it searches Magician Souls, which is like kind of good. I, <laughs> I won't see an issue with that. <laughs> I never even considered that. I, it's probably, I guess it's because I'm not playing the deck. Yeah, yeah, I never even consider when it dies, it searches the illusion, which searches souls. Yeah, you, like, the problem with the base deck is, like, it's not that it has access to scything you, it's just that deck has so much follow-up after its first play, because, I mean, it only takes, what, two cards to set up two Omni Negates minimum with DPE and the scythe, like... Right, Even right. if you hand trap me twice, you're still trading two of your cards versus two of my cards at and I still probably end on one negate. And then my other three to four cards can probably beat yours because I that's just how it is. Like I'm playing hand traps, high impact cards, like I don't know, that that deck has so much follow up, it's just kind of a problem. What do you think about the PK deck? Uh, see, I think that deck got really overhyped. Um, even I thought it would be, like, pretty good, but, um, I think it, surprisingly, I don't think that deck meshes well with the Brave Engine as much as people say, um, because all the best starter cards for that deck require their effect to be triggered on Normal Summon, or at least, like, you put them on the board as your normal summon, then at some point during the turn you use that effect, like Torn Scales. But it's kind of confusing because you want to play like 40 cards in that deck, but I don't think you can. I think that deck has to play 45, close to 50. Just how many bricks are in that deck. Every trap card in the game's a brick for a combo deck, and then you also have like some mesh well because you open like right of Aaron Messier, but you don't open two level three monsters so you're ending on like an omni negate when like i don't know i don't think that um i don't think that's very impactful and yeah now when that deck like pops off sure you, you did it like you're setting up two fog blades two pops dpe scythe like that's kind of that's kind of much, but when it, I think the variance between that deck's like good hands and its bad hands are a little too wide for it to, uh, for me to even consider playing it. But I do see why people play it. And I think it took what two slots in the top thirty-two of this YCS. Um, Just glancing at it real quick. I know there was one in top sixteen. I think there was one more in top 32. One here in top yeah. 32. Yeah, and one in top 16, yeah. So two and in the top 32. It just, like... It's also... Since it was the poster child of the Scythe lock, like, whenever people were like, okay, you're getting Scythe locked, everyone and everyone was like, okay, they're doing PK cards to do it. That deck kind of gets oversighted for. Um, so, uh it's kind of, I think whenever people do eventually stop, like, oversiding for it, they're citing, like, nine cards to beat it, they're citing Cosmic, Lancia, all that stuff. Um, I do think that deck can see more success in the format, but as of right now, I do, I don't think that deck's a very, uh, good choice to play going into a multi-round tournament. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see what you mean. Um... So, overall, as we start looking toward the actual... I, I know you said you think that base is the best deck of the format, mm -hmm. but would you have something more along the lines of, like, a top three, top five tier list kind of thing? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I think, like, I wouldn't say the base deck is, like, tier zero, but I do think it's solidified itself as the best deck. I don't think anything really competes with it consistently enough to warrant there being another deck in that same conversation um but i think the fluanda raise deck is pretty good right now um that's one of those decks that like i don't think a lot of people are really looking into it 
still it's kind of untapped but right. the people that do play it that play it really well they do very well with it like there's definitely arguments we made that um hanko chow could have made the finals of lycs had things played out differently but i mean he's a really good player he plays that deck very well um and it definitely showed throughout that entire tournament um so I would probably put that deck somewhere between second and fourth. Um, I don't really have like a solidified like one through five, but I do. I can kind of clump them together. Um, right. I think the Adventure Dragon deck is very above average. I think it's better than the actual Dragon Link deck. Um, just. I think if your deck's trying to combo, your deck has to play these adventure cards. So those, they had so much production. It's like seven or eight more copies of Call by the Grave. Like these right. cards are insane. Um, that deck's really good. If it's if it starts rolling, it it's almost impossible to stop. It also trades really well with every like small interaction hand trap. Stuff like Ash and Ogre. That deck just eats them alive for breakfast but something like nib that deck kind of struggles to beat um right. that's where the brave stuff kind of comes in um i you kind of have to put fam knight in there because if you the deck still does see its representation very well um and i personally think ddd is like considerably better than what people give it credit for um i think like pack definitely showed that some of some of the um potential this deck has in this format i think the deck like it doesn't set up anything like quote-unquote unfair but it is a near impossible board to break if you actually know what you're doing um and i actually think that deck's really easy to play it's just people kind of people kind of built a wall around it saying like oh you need like spreadsheets and stuff to play this deck out that deck's not very hard if you just i don't know put in more than five minutes of time into the deck like if you're yeah. gonna play something learn it like you can figure all this stuff out on your own time it's not very hard um, it's just, just like any other like heavy combo deck you just have to understand how the deck works not yeah. even now. I mean, like, the deck has, like, three lines that all do the same thing. And then every other piece of this, like, spreadsheet is just variations of the cards that you would search. But you just have them already. Like, they're just showing you 20 lines of the same exact combo with just different cards. And it's like, if I do this in my, like, I could do this at home, sleeve up the deck and just solid your hands, you, you'll stumble upon the way and then you just repeated and you remember nice i think the deck's very good that's one of the one of my favorite decks in this format it's just so cool how it's not setting up like scythe or dp it's not using adventure stuff but that deck is still setting up a board that if you don't kill them on that turn like or at least remove every card from their possession (laughs) they're probably gonna win that game Right, right, right. Um, well, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead. And I think the last deck in that kind of good tier is like some kind of control deck, probably the Eldritch, um, the Cybers Eldritch deck. It's yeah. not really control, but it still plays like more than six trap cards. Um, I think that that's kind of crazy too. It's just low, low investment, high reward. Right, right. Well, I mean, if you're playing more than six trap cards, you're obviously a control set comparatively to yeah. everything else. Well, you're oh still trying to set up a sanguine conch at the end of your combo of summon 50 times. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you say are some of the side deck cards of this format that you think are pretty the mo- the more impactful like hand traps and side deck cards? Um. So. One of the cards that gets better in your side deck for your hand trap lineup would be Gamma. 
Um, I think that card always has its place in a format, but right now I think, like, in the main deck, it's really weird because Gamma kind of feels the same level of impact as Ash Blossom or Ghost Ogre. But post side, when you have more hand traps in your deck and you could draw Gamma plus a card like Ash Blossom or something, Gamma turns into like a pseudo Nibiru in a sense, like super high impact. You summon your one in the game. Um, I've been liking Gamma a lot. Uh, Anti spell fragrance has been really, really popular inside decks lately. Um, for most combo decks, because it turns off Rite of Aramis here, it turns off Small World, it turns off um, all these just That's super really high impact spells that were kind of gatekeeped by Imperial Order. Um, Panker Tops has kind of taken his spot back into side decks for a lot of people, especially because he's searchable off of Small World for almost every deck that plays the card. Um, I. I've been seeing a lot of Solemn Judgments, a lot of Cosmic Cyclones. Um, what about Evenly? I haven't been seeing a lot of Evenly. It's good, definitely. Um, especially if it's one of those control decks, kind of like Striker, where they still set up adventure stuff, because, I mean, you have to play these cards. Um, and Evenly versus decks that summon a token is always just, oh, well, you have a token, you have to keep it, kind of thing. Right. Um, it's just most of the decks that like you would want to play evenly in lose to Lancia and every deck in the game side decks through Lancia. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. So it's kind of weird because there's an argument like you could play Lightning Storm instead of evenly keep your battle phase and then just kill them that turn because you kill all their trap cards. Um. I'm not siding evenly for like a combo deck anymore because I don't think you really can. The only deck that you really could is um, DDD if they don't set up Siegfried or uh, Baron. But I mean, and Phantom Knights if they're not running the uh, Aramisir package, the yeah package. But even then, post side most of the time Phantom Knight sets up. Um, they either try to set up DPE plus Scythe and Lancia, or they try to set up, like, Lancia plus their full combo. Um, yeah. So, it's kind of weird. Evenly's in a definitely weird spot, because you kind of want the card, because it definitely just, in theory, beats a lot of decks. It just, I think it gets countersided for accidentally more often than it doesn't. Um, I'm kind of glad to see Harpy's Feather Duster again. <laughs> There's no Imperial <laughs> Order to chain to it, so you can just yeah, it's true. Yolo Duster and see what happens. Just throw it out there, you know. Whatever happens, happens. Worst case scenario, the worst they can do is hate it. Yeah, yeah. So, what about Lancia? Do you think it was more of like the the best side deck card in the format, or maybe like the worst main deck hand trap? Um, I definitely think it's the worst main deck hand trap because it doesn't trade with based. And I think at this point, you just have to beat, you have to build to beat that deck. Um, and I don't really think it's the best side deck card either. I think you just have to side it because the decks that are trying to scythe you that aren't based all lose to Lancia. Um, it's just, it's in a weird spot because it's a hand trap that like, it's committing three of your side deck slots guaranteed to, but it doesn't beat the best deck, and you're not siding it at all for the best deck. So, like, your other 12 cards plus your main deck have to beat the best deck, unless you are the best deck. <laughs> right. And what about Droll? Um, I... I'm very okay with that card not existing at this point in time. Um... <laughs> I think uh, it's not great because there's not a lot of actual searching going on and most decks only need the one card to get their turn going. Like the first card they search is the only card that they need. Um, it's okay against based depending on how they open because you can get um, 
if they play into it, you can stop them from getting to Griffin Rider, and you can stop them from getting a uh, Bale shoot. It just depends on how good their hand is, um, and some people do still play around that. And they'll search Griffin Rider before they normal summon the dude, so they can't get um. So search Griffin Rider before getting a uh, Drago back, which is kind of like the, ch the choke point for where you would draw. Um, I think Droll's not bad. I just can't really warrant including it in like my seventy-five main deck side deck cards. Right. Well, that isn't some insightful stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and do the podcast question of the day, though. So the previous podcast question of the day was, what is a change you would like to see made soon in Master Duel? Um, <clears throat> I think that we got a lot of really, a lot of the same answers, just, yeah. you know, truthfully. Um, yeah. Aside from, yeah, aside from like a more engaging duel pass, I'd want to see something similar to the Pokemon online where you get uh, these in-game tournaments and you compete for booster packs instead of in the game. Mm -hmm. Um things like that would be cool casual matchmaking matchmaking based on rank best of three format in addition to best of one tournaments with season prizes like you see in rocket league a lot of people calling for best of three ranked um and ban list updates things like that i would love um, for them to introduce um i think Mastodon would be a really cool way for them to introduce a kind of centralized time wizard format and deck yes. master format like yes heck yeah it would be so cool for them to do that like make a master duel server for edison or goat format or if master duel would let me play deck master where i can just start the game with like i don't know tethius that would be so cool because i would get the art of just i'm summoning this card every game and you're gonna see the animation every game that would be cool. Yeah. But no, we'd, we'd just have Harp at one, Gearsu at one, Galate at one. Right. Yeah, I think that my personal, um, if I if I was just gonna like fix Master Duel and make it exactly what I would like to see, mm -hmm. I would like the ability to go in and when you're setting up, when you're ready to go on the ladder. I think that a ladder ranking system would be cool, but honestly, I don't really know that it's necessary. What I think is much more important is the ability to choose best of three or best of one, and mm -hmm. then go in and do uh, TCG, OCG, or standard format. And standard can be your, you know, what you're, we're using as our master dual ban list. So. I think being able to choose from essentially that would create six separate formats for you to play under, right? Yeah. Um, I think that would be the first step in really fixing the fixing the game. Um, getting it caught up to the current TCG or OCG card pool would be really nice. And like you said, also having separate servers for, like you said, Time Wizard formats or even running a Time Wizard format event about once a month or even once every six weeks or so, where you kind of go in and say, hey, we're doing a time, similar how they did the Xyz event, right? Yeah. Going in and doing a time wizard event for say six weeks, and here's you know the card pool, here's what you can do, custom ban list, all that. That would be really sweet. Yeah, I just hate how they don't let you craft like cards that are banned in the game. Like you can't craft a pot of greed. Um, yeah, that kind of that's pretty frustrating, and they, they have yeah. assigned rarities. You yeah, just can't. It's like, how it, that brings the question of how would they be able to support a time wizard format if you can't even craft the cards currently? But like, if they were to find a way, I'd, I'd be so about it. I'm tired of um, I've been funneling money into my Edison deck. <laughs> then getting a little expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my Edison deck is uh, creeping up in price, too. I know the feeling. Um, but today's podcast question today is, what do you think is the current best deck of this format? Kobe said he thinks it's based. I tend to agree, actually. I think that it is the kind of like 
basil rose dragon adventure synchro tangy thing pile the pile yeah that's a big pile of deck yeah that's my pick caleb uh i would agree good stuff stop pile yeah good stuff stop pile so well that'll wrap us up for today's episode and that'll lead us out of the end of the interview you got anything you want to plug before we go kobe uh just normal shout out shout out to um pandemonium gaming my sponsor shout out to um top cut server and that should be it for me oh thank you so much we appreciate that <laughs> always well as usual be sure to check out pandemonium gaming be sure to check out uh all of our sponsors everything like that all the links in the description down below thanks everyone all right well we hope that you enjoyed that insightful commentary on the current meta the way that kobe sees it and the way that we see it and we hope that it gave you a little bit of insight and helps you get ready for any potential case tournaments or anything that you have coming up this weekend like we do oh yeah so with that said thank you everybody so so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast and with that we will catch you later take care everyone 